This episode is brought to you by 2 Before Performance Nutrition. 2 Before is a natural sports performance supplement made from New Zealand blackcurrant berries. There's a growing body of evidence behind these berries for improving endurance and kickstarting recovery. With a sweet and tangy berry flavor, you can mix it in water, juice, sports drinks, and smoothies. For optimal results, drink daily 30 to 60 minutes before training. Use code INDIANA30 online at 2before.com for 30% off 20-pack products and free shipping. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli, and this is my portion of the podcast where I sit down with some of the best coaches and athletes from around the state, past and present. We discuss the highs and lows of their running or coaching journeys, the key insights they've gained along the way, and often dive into the bigger picture beyond the course of the track, the things that make them human, not just elite runners or coaches. The following is a conversation with 2011 Center Grove grad Austin Mudd. Austin was a three-time individual state champion, winning the 800 his junior year and winning both the 800 and 1600 his senior year. In addition to his individual accomplishments, Austin helped his team to a state championship in track and field his senior year. Austin is Indiana High School all-time number one in the 800 and 148.09 and number one in the 1600 in 4-flat .43 with state meet records in both events. Upon graduation, Austin joined the Badgers of Wisconsin. At Wisconsin, Austin was two-time first-team All-American and two-time second-team All-American. Austin is currently Indiana alumni all-time number 9 in the 800 and 147.52, number 10 in the 1500 and 340.16, and number 7 in the mile in 357.93. Austin had ambitions of going pro after college, but unfortunately injury setbacks would prevent him from taking that step. During this conversation, we talk Austin's start in the sport, making the choice between soccer and running, progressing to one of the best, if not the best, middle distance runners in Indiana high school history, the role cross country played in his track success, choosing Wisconsin, the transition to college running, the highs and lows of his time at Wisconsin, and much more. Austin is a guy who is both driven and hardworking on the track and other endeavors he undertakes, but also laid back and very humble. I really enjoy getting to sit down with Austin and hear his journey to becoming one of the best middle distance runners to come from Indiana. Thank you all for listening to and supporting this podcast. We couldn't do this without you. As always, hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, I give you Austin Mudd. All right, Austin, welcome to the Indiana Runner podcast. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad this could work out. Uh, how has the summer been? Have you done any any traveling? Anything exciting going on? It's been pretty busy. Um, I feel like the past five or six summers have all been pretty busy with weddings. I think we've averaged seven or eight weddings a summer for the past you know, five or six years. Um, this is actually a down year. We only had one or two this summer, but we have three in September um, and we're both in one of them. So that adds, you know, a, a, a new dimension, um, a little bit more obligation. Um, this year we went to Hawaii for a destination wedding over the week of the 4th of July. Dang. So that was nice because neither of us, uh, my wife or I had never been to Hawaii. So got to make a little vacation out of it, ended up staying for a week and 
a lot of my wife's high school friends were able to stay with us, you know, for that time. And we all hung out and kind of explored the island. Um, other than that, it's uh, a lot of trying to get the house organized. My wife, Kara, she's actually uh, 20 months pregnant. So we've oh, got wow. a lot going on at the house, you know, trying to get a nursery in order. Um, I've actually got my laptop sitting on a box. It's uh, a chair for the nursery. We've got a crib uh, right in front of me that's still in the box. So a lot of organizing, getting rid of stuff that we don't need, but for some reason have hung on to for way too long. Yeah. <laughs> I think you said 20 months pregnant. Oh, 20 weeks. <laughs> Definitely not 20 months. That would be an issue. <laughs> 20 weeks. <laughs> uh so these weddings are they mostly like family college friends high school friends like it's a lot of weddings um it's a mix so over um not this weekend but the next one it's my wife's sister who's getting married um that's the one that we're both in then uh later in september got a family friend and then um one of my wife's uh, friends from pharmacy school. And fortunately, all of these are, you know, within two hours of Madison. So we don't have to go very far. No more, you know, Hawaii like travel times, but it's been a few years where we were driving all over the place, you know, back to Indiana, Ohio, uh, Minnesota, really just all over. And that's especially, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, it gets a little bit stressful, really <laughs> expensive. Um, so I'm glad we're like on the downtrend there. Yeah, for sure. Do you come back to Indy very often? Not a whole lot. Um, so my parents actually retired um, two years ago. They sold their house and bought a pull behind camper and this massive pickup truck. And so they just travel full time uh, pretty That's much cool. now. So. Uh, I've got one younger brother. He lives in Salt Lake City, moved out there from Indianapolis last summer. And, um, you know, I still got friends that live in Indianapolis, but, uh, you know, without having family there, it's, I don't want to impose on anyone. So really don't make it back too often. I'm trying to think the last time that I was in Indianapolis and it's been a little while. That's for sure. Yeah. So have you been in Madison since you graduated college or did you go anywhere else? Uh, so after graduating, I did get, I did get my first job in Indianapolis. Um, we were only there for a year though, before we moved back to Madison. So it was a pretty short stint, but after being away for, you know, five years at school, it was nice to have that one year to you know kind of reconnect with friends and family who were still living in the Indianapolis area but you know I was quick, quickly reminded of all the reasons why I wanted to get out of Indiana for school <laughs> so um just yeah. kidding I love I love Indy um it's my hometown you know I can I can knock it so mm -hmm. uh it was actually always in our plans to move back to Madison my wife uh wanted to go to pharmacy school here so it wasn't like we we hated Indianapolis or anything. It was it was always planned out like that. Yeah. Well, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. I'm I'm excited to talk to you.
we uh, kick off every episode with what's called Tier Talk. So we rank our top three in a certain category. This one, pretty random. But if you could be immortal or stop aging, I guess, at any age, what would be your top three? Do you want me to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll let you go first because I feel like I might take one of your answers and I don't want to make it seem like you're taking my answers. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> we'll have different reasons, but mm-hmm. but I'll let you go first. Okay. So I kind of I feel like I took one from maybe like three big buckets of life. So number three is eight years old. This one, like I, I know I wanted one as a kid, but I could, it was hard to decide which age. I feel like eight is enough where you're like still pretty innocent and like the world is still pretty like big and I don't know, pretty like naive to the things of, of life, but you're not like so that young that you like can't interact with people and like do things. So somewhere in like that eight-ish range, like that in between, like before like junior high, but like after like preschool, or early elementary, that'd be my number three. Number two is 70. Uh, so I feel like, I don't know, this one was hard to decide as well, but just all the, all the wisdom that you gain through life, um, like 70 is, is a, and if you take care of your body, like 70 can still be a, a great age and still move around, do stuff, but you've lived a good and full life. And um, if you've chosen to, you have a family and I don't know, just a big, there's a lot to look forward to in your, your later years. And then number one is 30. Uh, I chose this like basically just because it's kind of the, the end of your physical prime or maybe even like the middle of it. It depends on like what you're doing but i think just like how important moving around doing sports running is to me if i were to be was to be stuck at an age i don't want to be like physically prime so that's my number one what about you yeah so <laughs> i'm i just turned 30 this year and i think um, that's got to be my number one as well just because so far um it feels pretty good. Um, you know, I'm old enough to where, you know, like you mentioned, gained some wisdom over the years. I'm not, you know, a young, naive 20, 20 year old, just wandering through life. I feel like you know, I'm at that point where I've really reached adulthood. Um, and definitely past my prime athletically, but you know, it's not like I've got like, you know, I, I can run up the stairs and stuff. I've still got, you know, pretty good movement in my joints, still pretty flexible. Um, not getting sore from, you know, random things. So uh, hopefully I didn't just jinx it, but so far 30 feels pretty <laughs> good. Um, I think my number two, I'm really hesitant to say an age older than 30, just because I have no experience being yeah, at it. That's a good point. I have yeah. no idea what it's going to feel like. But so I think I'm going to go down a little bit uh, for my number two. And I think the sweet spot is probably. I'm going to go with 24. Um, yes, yeah, it's still in that that same, you know, range. 
as 30, but just a little bit more athletic still, um, you know, can withstand a lot more. I think the other day, like my left elbow has been hurting for whatever reason. I don't know if I slept on it wrong or what the deal is, but, um, you know, 24, it's like, you kind of think you're invincible anyways, I feel like when you're that age. So I'll just ride that wave out and, uh, stick with 24. Um, my third, so I guess I'll go up and I think I'm only comfortable with going up to 40 for, you know, maxing out that, that <laughs> wisdom category that comes with, uh, you know, getting older and aging and just getting more experience with life. So, uh, you know, looking at me now probably passes a 40 year old. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I think those are my three. Yeah. The 20, the 24, that's back when I had hair too. So, um, <laughs> You know, not that I, it's, my hair started thinning, you know, probably in college and eventually it got to the point where, um, it's actually around this time last year, you know, like looking in the mirror, it's like, I didn't really like what I saw. So, um, decided to shave it and it's still like looking at myself in the camera right now. It's, it, it looks weird to me still, but people say I have a good head shape for it. I don't know if they're just trying to be nice or if that's actually a thing, but, um, I think you do. The, the beard looks nice. The beard dog combo. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah, I can pull it off. But it was nice to have hair. If I could go back, I don't know if I actually would, just because it's so nice to wake up in the morning and not have to worry about, you know, my hair being messed up. It's just yeah. not there, so it's not an issue. But yeah, 30, 24, and 40. I think those would be my my top three. I like it. I think I, I, think I might change one of my answers. Now that you like, I've heard your explanation and just thinking about my own life. So I'm 27 and like, I still feel fairly athletic and I, I feel like I can still like run decently well, like compared to like what I could a couple of years ago. But like the thing that's gone quickly is like my ability to recover. I just have so many more like aches and pains in between runs and different things. And I, I think, yeah, 24, 23, somewhere around there. I think that that's like the, maybe you're not completely in your physical prime, but you're like just so malleable and like you can just do. I remember in college, I'd go play basketball for like seven hours straight and like it was just whatever, you know? Yeah, you, your days. knees were fine. You were able to get out of bed the next day. Yeah, yeah you exactly. Three more years and you'll be in a wheelchair. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> um okay so our second icebreaker is what's called car talk the gist of it is the thoughts you have when you're driving in the shower a run walk whenever you're alone my serious one is um the valpo girls coach and i talked about this when we did our podcast but been reminded of it lately and that is be where your feet are um this came up recently because so I have a girlfriend. She's super supportive of like obviously I'm like really busy with podcasts, with coaching, got a day job as well. I've got my own running that I'm trying to um, you know, stay in shape. And like she's super supportive of all that. But there's like been times where like we're together and I'm like 
on my phone, like texting one of the coaches or or checking this or checking that, like not a huge deal, but she's like, if like we have less time together because of all of these things that you're doing, which I'm really supportive of, but like when you're here, I, I want you to be here kind of thing. And that's like, I was like, dang, that, like she just like, I don't know. She's just so right. Like that's, that's the person that I want to be. Like I want to be committed to the things that I commit to present for the things that I commit to. And it's, it's really easy. Um, especially in that kind of context when like, we're really comfortable with each other to like, let your mind wander to, to work, to coaching and things like that, or even, um, yeah, like texting coaches, things like that. Just reminded like to, to be where you are, to be committed to the things that you have committed to. And I don't know, I've been trying to like put that into action this past week. Uh, my less serious one, this one is super <laughs> random and kind of strange, but there's been a couple times where I've been like walking down the street and I'll make eye contact with a typically an older man. And it's like, very prolonged and there's like this weird part of me that feels like it's like me from the future like it's like, like me like coming and holding eye contact with my younger self to be like dude you screwed you screwed our life up or something like that there, there's actually this this one time my friend and I had like got lunch downtown we were walking like back to our cars and this guy, I don't think he was doing too well, but he like walked past us and he kind of like looked like he was gonna like punch me, kind of he, like kind of like step towards me, and I like kind of like stepped out of the way. I don't know if he actually was or not, but my friend and I like joked, like I've been joking for years that that was me from the future coming back to like <laughs> fight me, fight my younger <laughs> self because we messed because I messed my life up. Um, super strange, definitely a less serious thought, but. That that happened again to me yeah. when I was in the Walmart parking lot. I like made prolonged eye contact with this old man. I was like, that just felt weird. Need to so, start IDing these people when you see them just to make sure. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so that's the kind of things I think about. Uh, what about you? What have you been thinking about? Um. Yes. <laughs> so when I read <laughs> through the outline, I'm I might have. Uh, might have interpreted this one a little bit too literally because I was actually, you know, trying to think about for a long time what goes through my head when I am driving for more than, yeah. you know, 30 minutes or so, which isn't very often. But I think the the example that I came up with, I just realized that it's probably, um, there's probably like a good lesson in it. So in Indiana, it seems like people have a pretty solid understanding when driving on the highway or the interstate that the left lane is used for passing. And then, you know, the right lane is where you do the majority of your driving. For some reason in Wisconsin, people just can't wrap their head around that concept to the point where the left lane, you could go, it's like everyone speeds up to 75, then there's, someone taps the brakes, there's a huge traffic snake, everyone drops back down to 65. And it's just like this 
process for Pete's the entire time you're on the interstate or the highway. And it's like, I'm just staying out of it. So I'll stay in the right lane, just set cruise control at 70 and pretty much stay next to, or, you know, within like a quarter mile of the same car. And <laughs> I think I, I don't get like full blown road rage, but it just like blows my mind how people like drive like that and don't understand that they're not really getting anywhere faster. And I think the, the lesson in this that I just realized um, or the takeaway is to, you know, just slow down and enjoy the journey and not get in a hurry, um, you know, going to where you're going and, you know, take in the surroundings and just enjoy the journey and not, not get in a hurry and just, you know, cause you're not actually going any faster and you're probably just getting frustrated yourself. If you're in that scenario, that's what happened to me at least. So that's why I'd, you know, move over to the right and set the cruise control and just take it all in. So, I like um, I don't know if that counts as my serious one or my more, you know, non-serious answer, but, um, I'll use that as my non-serious one because it really, it, it feels better. Um, <laughs> I think for my serious answer, uh, I, anytime. So, so what keeps me up at night, I'll phrase it that way, maybe answer it a little bit better is, uh, you know, getting our house organized. Like I, I think I mentioned before the call started how much stuff we've accumulated. A lot of it's my parents from when they sold their house. Um, and this is probably where I get the trait from where I'm just really bad at getting rid of stuff and throwing stuff away. So a lot of the stuff we have is my parents that they just couldn't get rid of and throw away, even though it's stuff that no one ever needs. Um, so I've been selling a lot of stuff on Facebook marketplace and Craigslist um, getting a lot of stuff organized, getting rid of a lot of stuff and got a lot of projects around the house that I've started, but haven't completely finished. I'm like 90% of the way there on a lot of things. And I'll hit some roadblock and then it'll sit for months. And then I'll finally, you know, get back on it. And so those little roadblocks that I've hit, those are the things that I think about at night, how to solve these problems that I've run into when I'm way over my head in a house project and <laughs> don't know how to finish it without doing more damage. <laughs> so it's stuff like that. That's, you know, keeping me up at night and spending, you know, those, uh, those times where I, you know, I'm just still, um, that's really what's taken up my, the majority of my thoughts. This episode is brought to you by Olipop. Olipop is a healthy and delicious alternative to soda. Available in 14 flavors, including cherry vanilla, cream soda, and my personal favorite, classic root beer, Olipop combines prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanical extracts to support your digestive health with less than 5 grams of sugar and 45 calories in each can. Indiana Runner podcast listeners can get 15% off at checkout with code IRPODCAST15. If you'd like to support the podcast and are looking for a healthy and delicious alternative to soda, Check out Olipop today. Do you enjoy that kind of stuff? Like, do you like working on around the house, working on stuff? 
I do. I, I really, I'm a big DIYer, but most of the time I have no idea what I'm doing and just <laughs> hope that I can figure it out along the way. And I, I get 90% of the way there on most of the stuff, but that doesn't, you know, 90% doesn't, that's not finished. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's like that last 10% takes just as long as the first 90. Um, yeah, but I do. I really like to take things apart, see how they work. And that's really how I learn about stuff. I'm in school. I wasn't big on, you know, sitting in a lecture and have something explained to me. It's, you know, being more hands-on and, and working with something, figuring out how it works and everything that goes into it. Yeah. So you're, you're less serious car thought, but kind of serious is like, you said enjoying the journey is like the big kind of lesson you have been learning through the driving on the highway. Um, does enjoying the journey and kind of taking life slowly come naturally to you? I don't think so. Um, and as I was reflecting on, on the outline, um, <clears throat> I think that's kind of how I realized that I do get in, in a hurry sometimes. And I was thinking more about, you know, my, my running career and how, you know, sometimes, actually most times before races, like I would, for whatever reason, get so nervous that it almost like made it not fun. And it's like, you just have to go run around a track. Like, what's the big deal? And so like, I would have to remind myself that like nerves are a good thing to a certain extent, but when it's, you know, taken away from me enjoying the sport, that's, you know, that's not healthy. So yeah, now that I'm reflecting more and more on it, it's like, I, I think I need to go back to those days and, and realize like, you don't have to go through this as fast as you can. Um, you know, just slow down, take your time. It's, still going to be there tomorrow if you don't finish tonight mm -hmm. um and that really applies to a lot of things you know work stuff around the house it's I, I do feel like I'm always in a hurry to like finish the things that I start but like I mentioned that rarely happens so I I need to remind myself to slow down and really think about what I'm doing and end up getting things done faster that way hopefully yeah for sure so were you always nervous before like every track meet or did it go away eventually or from what I remember yeah there's just something about you know it wasn't always like to that level more so in college when you know there's a lot more uh, that went into running you know we'd maybe have a flight out to California and then you know sit in a hotel room all day and then you know race and then fly back so I think that made it a little bit, you know, it, it felt like there was more pressure. Obviously it's a, a higher level too. There's more competition, but even back in, in high school, um, senior year, even I would definitely get nervous before each race. It got better, you know, running four events and a meet, you know, the four by eight, that's you know where it would peak and then you know the 1600 800 four by four it would die down throughout the night you know as the meet went on and you got more warmed up and comfortable but 
yeah, there, I don't think there was a single race where I wasn't nervous beforehand, you know, whether it was a, a dual meet or state. Would it go away when the gun went off? <laughs> For the most part, because that's, okay. you know, when you really had to stop thinking um, and start, you know, focusing on the race and what was going on around me. And that's, that's when it was a lot easier to block everything else out, you know, and just focus on the race, honestly. Yeah. So where, where do you think the nerves came from? Or like, what was the reason for the nerves? Was it like you were afraid to run poorly or you're afraid to not run well? Or like what, what were you nervous about? <laughs> honestly, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, and honestly, I, I'm not even sure if I can answer it. I think um, a big part of it probably came with, you know, just knowing that it was going to be uncomfortable, you know, mm. running, racing, especially the 800. I think the 800's probably the hardest event in track. Um, I'm a little biased there, but <laughs> just knowing how much it, it was going to hurt um, and the build up to it, like I just wanted to, you know, get it over with. <laughs> yeah. But in college, I pretty much would throw up after every single race and I hate throwing up. So I think a lot of it was around like knowing the fact that I was probably going to throw up afterwards and I didn't want to. And then usually would have to do an interview afterwards and was probably still on the verge of throwing up. And th that part was probably the most uncomfortable. It's still, you know, I was watching uh, the world championships earlier today and it's like the, they're interviewed still right after they finish. And most people are out of breath as you would expect, you know, after running a race or, you know, and it's, it's like my brain would barely even be functioning after I finished a race. And then, you know, I'm on the verge of throwing up and it's like the last thing I want to do is be videotaped and have to answer questions. <laughs> but I think right. a big part of it had to do with like the media and then also just, you know, knowing what was about to come with being, you know, pushing myself to being as uncomfortable as possible until I hit that finish line. Yeah. Did you watch the 1500 yesterday? I did. Yeah, yeah. that was crazy. Yeah. What'd you think? I, I was pretty shocked, honestly. Um, yeah, it was, that was an awesome race. Um, I, I think I saw that Cole Hawker PR, so mm -hmm. happy for him, but um, I'm sure he's a little disappointed with the finish. But yeah, the upset that was that was that was something. Yeah, did you listen to any of uh, Josh Kerr's interviews after the race? No. Okay, he uh, apparently uh, maybe the past I don't know how long four months six months he's been like dialed into the next level like he like he said he's been training like a champion but now he's like taking his nutrition his sleep his like everything to a championship level and like he's been throwing everything that he can at, at winning this gold and I was just, it was cool to see like that's one of the beauties of, of the sport is in a lot of ways you like get out what you put in and there's definitely an element of luck and and tactics and things like that but yeah, it was just cool to see. Wow. So for yeah. you, let's uh, take it back to the beginning. 
like we, we normally do. How'd you get your start in running? What else were you interested in? What did the beginnings look like? So I grew up playing soccer, um, center midfield and middle school started running, you know, really cross country just to stay in shape for soccer track as well, but really wasn't taking either very seriously at all. You know, I was pretty focused on soccer, playing soccer in high school and, you know, running was just you know, the side hustle to stay in shape for soccer. And uh, I think one of the defining moments in that middle school era where I did start to realize that I might have a better future if I started to focus on running and quit playing soccer was uh, <laughs> the Johnson County Middle School cross country meet my eighth grade year, big time, right? Um, <laughs> I, I won that meet, have no idea what the time was, probably wasn't really even that good um, compared to, you know, middle school state, m middle school times in the state. But that was, you know, our biggest meet of the season. And, you know, that was the one that I kind of had my, my sights set on to win. And I think that is what really made me realize that I should take uh, the decision a little bit more seriously because I don't think we were able to play soccer and run cross country in high school. Uh, you know, they're both in the fall. So, you know, hear about every now and then that, that some kids do that somehow, but I don't think we were actually allowed to at center Grove or maybe that's an IHSA thing who knows, but um took a little bit I'd probably say quite a bit of nudging from my parents uh, <laughs> to go out for cross country my freshman year and it really wasn't an easy decision but obviously it was a pretty pretty good decision I'd say it paid off and did your parents run or what why'd they nudge you towards cross country yeah so they both come from pretty athletic families. My parents, they both grew up in Louisville and I know they both ran track in high school and they're still really athletic and uh, got a few cousins who ran in college and uh, aunts and uncles who are all pretty, uh, you know, pretty athletic. We're all pretty, pretty slender. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, definitely have the genes for it. And I think that's something that my parents knew and they probably saw the potential a little bit more than I did, even freshmen and most of sophomore year, like I was pretty much just going through the motions. Um, wasn't really taking running that seriously. I guess I was still a little bit unsure of whether I made the right decision uh, to quit playing soccer. So I think the uh, next big defining moment that made me realize, okay, now I really should start taking this more seriously because could maybe end up running in college was my sophomore year. And uh, there are a few things that happened in my sophomore year that I think played into this, this jump. So our cross country coach, Coach Harrell, 
my freshman year, he only coached cross country and, <clears throat> and we had a different coach for track. But my sophomore year, he started coaching track as well, the distance squad. So, uh, you know, our workouts, practice, everything became a little bit more structured, um, you know, since he had been with us the entire year then and was creating our workouts for cross country as well. And he was a little bit more involved. So that kind of forced me to, you know, take workouts a little bit more seriously. And I remember back to freshman year, I think we were, you know, we were just messing around seeing who could eat the most hot tamales before the race and, you know, stuff like that. And our, our coach didn't really hold us accountable and was probably joining in on a lot of that stuff. <laughs> so sophomore year, um, things really started to change. And uh, I think like the big thing, there were we had some, some decent 800 runners who were older than me. And like the big thing was, uh, breaking two minutes. And it's like, we had, I think one guy break two minutes, uh, who was a senior and it was like, he was a God and everyone <laughs> was like going crazy the first time that he broke two minutes. And I was thinking like, Oh, I want to do that. You know, like that's the coolest thing ever. And I think at state that year in the four by eight, I split a one fifty five went from like seventh and then handed off in second, which I went second, I believe. And even making it to state that year, it was, it was something completely new. Like I, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I think the other guys on our four by eight were all seniors. So they had kind of taken me under their wing. And then I split that one fifty five, and they're like, you know, pretty pumped. And were telling me that I, needed to try to break the school record the next year our school record was only like 154 and so uh you know just having their support and um you know them telling me that they thought I could break the school record the next year it really motivated me to set that as a goal and then my junior year ended up running a lot faster than our school record and uh yeah really just kept riding that that wave setting new goals. And luckily I was able to stay healthy through high school and really kept getting better. So. Yeah. Did you have any regret of quitting soccer after like sophomore year? Or... I really stopped thinking about it at that point, you know, cause I was entirely consumed um, by running from pretty much into sophomore year track season on. It would have been fun to play soccer. Uh, it's a fun sport, um, but I definitely don't have any regrets about running instead of playing soccer. Yeah. Did, were you running uh, like decent times your freshman year? Or did you Sorry, make a big jump? That? Were you running like decent times your freshman year? <laughs> or were you making, did you take big jumps sophomore year? Or? I honestly couldn't even tell you what I was running freshman year. They weren't good times. I'll tell you that. I wasn't even close to, I don't think I even ran varsity. I don't know if I ran in a single varsity meet my freshman year. Cross country freshman year wasn't close to our top seven. Um, I think my freshman year cross country PR was like 
1653. Um, so I might've been close to our top seven, but I wasn't running varsity and then track. It really, maybe 210 in the 800. 440, 16. I honestly have no idea, but uh, Coach Harrell taking over sophomore year, he, uh, there was a, you know, a, a new, it was just much more structure and everyone was kind of forced to take it more seriously. So, yeah. So your, your junior year, you had at least one goal of breaking the school record in the 800. What, uh, what other goals did you have or what expectations did you have for the season? Um, Yeah, I I honestly am not even sure if winning state was on my radar until pretty late in the season. I think the the Charlie Riley invite, which I believe was at North Central, is you know a pretty fast uh, meet later in the season. I believe I ran one fifty three in the eight hundred there, and that's when. The, really started thinking about setting my sights on winning state uh, before that, you know, I kind of just assumed that it'd be run I'd be running the four by eight again. Um, so it, beginning of that junior season, I don't think winning state was really even mentioned or thought about by me at all. It was really just getting that school record, you know, 154 is, a decent time, but probably not going to win state most years. So that's really what I was set on. And then I guess breaking that school record at the Charlie Riley invite, um, you know, and crossing that off my list for the season, of course, the season wasn't over. I think that's when I kind of reframed my, my goals for that year. And there weren't many meets left. So state was a big one and uh and I had one of the top times in the state at that point and I think that's when we really started thinking about just focusing on the 800 at state and uh trying to win it yeah how much pressure did you feel going into state to win it or was it like let's just see what happens not a ton um I mean I I did want to win uh, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself, but as far as, you know, like our, our coaches were concerned, you know, just score some points. I don't think anyone was really expecting me to win. Um, I'm trying to think back. I think Nathan Hendershot was uh, Pendleton Heights, the favorite that year. And it really took everything I had to, to beat him. And uh, that was a race I was 100% throwing up afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been a thing your whole career? Uh, once, pretty much after sophomore season. So you could, it probably makes it pretty obvious um, to see how I wasn't really pushing myself before then. But once I started taking it seriously and going all out, and pushing through those mental barriers, that's when uh, 
Yeah, I had to find a trash can after the finish line. <laughs> if you'd like to continue listening to this episode of the podcast, you'll need to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Indiana Runner. Once you do, you'll get access to all full-length episodes of the interview portion of the podcast, in addition to other subscriber-only content, including extra content on race previews and recaps, book club episodes, the ability to ask my guests questions, and much more. Thanks again for listening to and supporting this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you on Patreon.